Welcome to TV Talk, the podcast about television, over at thewordprint.com. Welcome to the Workprints Harley Talk, episode four. I'm your host, Christian, and with me today again is Rob. Yes. Hi, people. And uh, yeah, today we're going to be talking about episode four, season two of Harley Quinn, uh, mm-hmm. Thawing Hearts. Uh, yes. This episode is a special one because we finally get to see them uh, encounter Mr. Freeze. Uh, yes. And uh, like all episodes of Harley Talk, of course, this podcast is going to be filled with spoilers. Uh, let's just delve right into it. Uh, Rob, what were your thoughts um, on Okay, just uh, before we really, really get into like the veritable meat of things. Uh, just sure. pithily put, the A-pot is basically Harley and her crew just trying to break in once it, because from last episode they had procured the uh, the flamethrower from Firefly. So now they have the appropriate means with which to dispatch Mr. Freeze because that's all that's on Harley's mind right now mm-hmm. is just revenge from turning her basically into uh, an ornament. Yeah. <laughs> At the Iceberg Lounge. So that's the A plot. The B plot, basically, uh, which I thought was very cute, is Kite Man and Poison Ivy trying to secure a wedding venue. <gasps> Spoiler alert! They yes. officially are tying the knot. I mean, I already warned you guys, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but I mean, we'll delve into it. I just wanted to give uh, just the basic like A plot, B plot. Sure. So, um, uh, first of all, I like the, the the opening joke uh, when they first when you first see the crew break it into Mr. Freeze's lair, mm-hmm. because obviously when Harley finally creates an entrance into the entire thing, it looks like what be described as something Georgia O'Keeffe would be happy for. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I she makes this awesome joke, which is great, um, because I I never thought about this before. But they're like, really, it's it's a vagina, and her whole thing is basically what? Like, if you were a guy, you would probably draw a dick on the wall, like carve a dick I- as an entrance. So. Mm-hmm. And it's very empowering and it's very thematic for this episode because Harley is all about female empowerment uh, mm-hmm. in this one, especially because Freeze left her so uh, feeling uh, unpowered. Is that the word I'm looking for? What's uh, a better word? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Imp- impaired, I, I suppose. Yeah, impaired. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of addressed that this episode. Yeah, I, I, I do love that. Um, so, I do, oh, uh, one more thing. I yeah. do love that part of that joke was King Shark's one liner. It's like, it's a vagina. And yeah. King Shark was just like. Oh, a human vagina. Because <laughs> he's a shark. Once they get into the actual fortress itself, they they're fighting off like a, a few henchmen and whatnot. Obviously, there are a few just stationed out there, and the banter that ensues obviously is something because they got they all get like a little text, I guess, on their Instagram of sorts mm-hmm. that um, finally Kite Man proposed to Poison Ivy, and they're now a thing. And so uh, while they're fighting off these henchmen, I like the fact that they're all asking each other, like, who are you going to take to the wedding? Because <laughs> they all have to have dates. And everybody's got an answer except for Harley, really. Yeah. King Shark is taking, I think, his wife. Oh, was um, it maybe Loretta or something? Or yeah, something, something like that. that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, uh, at least according to his joke, uh, Dr. Psycho is probably taking a hooker. 
<laughs> which <laughs> makes it's like that's on it's brand in, for him. That's, it's that's in character, honest. yeah. Uh, Clayface, which is also on brand for him, I think wants to work out a new character, and I don't know if it's a guy or a girl. I don't remember what he says, but I think he has a predilection towards playing women. He really like seems to ham it up. He really sort of, you would think that he's like, uh, he's try, uh, treading the boards on this one as if he were on Broadway or some shit like that. Yeah. Um, but Harley, her answer for it is because, I mean, she's already burnt from the Joker and she wants to be like this independent woman. So mm-hmm. her whole thing is, I'm just going to hook up with whoever, like however many randos there are. She wants there. all the dicks. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and so I'm like, all right, I sort of can get that. So uh, we go back into the whole Kite Man uh, Poison Ivy thing. My favorite joke of that, I don't know if you know this, what's your favorite joke on that? Oh, uh, with the Kite Man uh, Yeah, like when they first the introduced the whole Kite Man uh, uh, Ivy plot. So, so for that whole plot, my favorite takeaway was uh, Captain, or not Captain, Um, was it Condiment King? Condiment yeah. King. Yes. Yeah. Every line from that character just made me laugh because it it just seems so petty. And I guess that was the point of that B story. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, Kite Man very much cares about this thing that, let's be honest, nobody gives a shit about. Yeah. Uh, and his rivalry with Condiment King, which also is kind of ridiculous and nobody really gives a shit about. But the mm-hmm. important thing to take away from it is that Ivy was supportive. That she. That's, she I think she that's was the like, sweetest okay. thing because yeah. she does. She really doesn't give a shit about the venue. Nobody does. Um, and honestly, the audience doesn't either. Yeah. And, like, the funny thing is that, like, I think it's like a role reversal in that because usually, like, I used to be, I haven't watched it in a long time. And just this is like hand to heart right now. I will mm-hmm. say truthfully, I used to watch with my girlfriend and I don't know why we stopped, but there used to be this thing on Weed Network called Wedding Sundays. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like it used to be kind of like a, a trio or, or something like that of episodes of like uh, one was, I think, uh, David Archetta's or something like that. He used to find like different venues and I think switch them up and stuff like that to give them like his vision. Uh, mm-hmm. There used to be one about like four weddings, uh, which actually my girlfriend had been to one of those um, on TV. Oh. It was like a four wedding thing where they compare the weddings uh, cool. and like some other thing. But what I've found more times than not is traditionally the woman in the relationship is the one that kind of is more pedantic about details. Yeah. Um, Sometimes the guys are too, which I think Mm -hmm. it's a mutual thing. Yeah. But um, it's one of those things where now it's, I think, a role reversal where he kind of like wants his his venue and he's kind of being I can't I could sort of being a little bit of a bridezilla of sorts. He wants his dream wedding. Yeah. Which, by the way, the, the what's brilliant about that sequence is his dream wedding is to have it at a place where uh, Clint Howard had yes. his wedding. Oh, that was a great joke. That was such and an obscure joke, too. I had to hit time out for a second, and I'm like, there's no way they're meaning Clint Howard, Ron Howard's brother. Yeah. yeah. The ugly kid from that episode of Star Trek. Of and, Star Trek, you know, yeah. Yeah, and the like Austin Powers movies and stuff. Like, his face is so recognizable, mm-hmm. and... Like, I was expecting a sight gag, but there wasn't. And no, just... I, I think it was just one of those things where it's kind of like obscene. the Venture Brothers. Yeah, um, just an obscene I, That's what I love about the Venture Brothers, too. And je- especially, um, 
just their brand of humor. And this, as I've compared to before, is very much Venture Brothers-ish uh, mm-hmm. because they go for the verbal gag. It's not kind of like, I mean, maybe later on they might meet, you would think, Clint Howard. But for the most part, it's not like, because I'll be the first to say, I don't care who hears it. I can't stand Family Guy. And they're kind of like, (laughs) say the verbal line, and then you actually see the joke. It's kind of like, all right. Uh, I like the fact that if you don't know who Clint Howard is, you would have to go search him up, where you'd be like, oh, okay, I don't get it, but I'll go with it. No, it's... So they're very referential. For anyone who does want to Google search Clint Howard, look up that Star Trek episode, yeah. and it'll all, just, make, it'll all just fall into place. Or what he looks like now, because guaranteed you've seen him in something. Well, that's the most disturbing thing about that episode. In that episode, he's a child, and yeah. then you compare mm-hmm. his face then to now, and it's like, it's man, it's still very similar, very similar, which is not yeah. a good thing. <laughs> I, I do find it funny, though, that um, the wedding venue of his dreams, Kite Man's Dreams, where now we I finally get to hear his name, which mm-hmm. is interesting. I think it's Chuck, if I'm not mistaken. I think she calls him he, Chuck by his first yes, name, his actual yes. name, which I thought was like a clever move because it's subtle. You never mm-hmm. hear it before, but now that you think about it, you're kind of like he's calling him by she's calling him by his real name. That must that's must be serious. Yeah, definitely. Uh, does, does he ever call her Pam? I didn't even think about that. I don't think so. I, it, it might. I think he basically just calls her baby. <laughs> he yeah, baby that's true. you're right. You're right. See, uh, these are the interesting details why you tune in, folks. It's because yeah, we. Uh, but know I this find it stuff. interesting that it's not like he wants to have it um, in this opulent place. He wants to have it in a fucking corn factory. Yep. Because <laughs> again, it's all about yeah, Clint, Clint Howard. Was it? <laughs> it was married <laughs> there. Uh, so I thought that's that was his funny. real wife, by the way. That reference, that joke, that mm-hmm. woman is his actual wife. We just divorced, I think, a year ago. But yeah, still, yeah. It's, that it's I actually had thing. to look up because I knew who Clint Howard was, but I actually had to look that up because I'll be honest. Some of the Venture Brothers references they kind of go over my head a little bit because they're oh, a little yeah. too, they're a bit too dated for me. But I mean, they're older guys, so yeah. they grew up with older shows and stuff like that. Um, but I had to search that up. I'm like, oh, all right, that that makes sense. Uh, but the speaking of Venture Brothers too, and kind of going along with this, and um, I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but uh, Condiment King, whom I thought first of all was like one of the dumbest Batman villains of all time, okay. of all time, he reminds me a little bit because when they get to the venue, it's like, lo and behold, who's there? Condiment King. Oh, and he's getting married too. And I'm sure he did that on purpose just to fuck with Kite Man. And it was very Venture Brothers-y because Kite Man, or not Kite Man, a kind of a king reminded me, especially with his look and the glasses and the way he like comported himself. He very reminds me, though, of um, a, a doctor. I think his name is Dr. St. Cloud or something in the Venture Brothers. He's all about money mm-hmm. and like uh, Billy Quizboy and um, Pete White. They're basically a sworn arch enemy, and he'll do anything just to fuck with them. He doesn't even care. Yeah. So Condiment King kind of reminds me of that. But yeah, he's a forgettable villain. He makes well, that, his, that's his the best part known. is their, their one-liners are so bad and cheesy, but great they're in this episode. So bad, but they're so good too. Yeah. So um, yeah, that that's actually a pretty good thing because Condiment King gets the first. He gets kind of like the lay of the land first because he was there first, and uh, so. What happens next? Do you want to take it away? 
back at like Freeze's later the A plot. Oh, right, the A plot. Okay, so um, Freeze comes out of the uh, of the. I don't know what building he's in. It looks like a mansion of some sort. Um, I don't know, but he makes like a grand entrance. Yeah, he's a grand Clayface, entrance. He freezes like, everyone it's and then he brings them inside. Like and you and you find out, or I should say, all of us find out that um, Freeze is is there because he set up a makeshift lab to save mm-hmm. his wife, just like his main storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, and he he's there. They're trapped as his guests per se slaves whatever you want to call them and he decides that harley being the only human female there he's going to try to use the experimental drug trial that he has for his wife on harley to see if he could save her etc etc yeah Yeah, Yeah. he's been testing on snow rats what's up it's because he's been testing on snow rats and that like the joke when he's like i've been testing on snow rats and the results have been great and that he just kind of pulls open this lever and you see all these dead snow rats fall out and everybody's like aghast. <laughs> They're kind yeah, of like, oh my yeah. God, that's going to be us? And that's, yeah, that's when he reveals, no, I can't do um, Dr. Psycho because he's like a baby man-child type person. Mm-hmm. King Shark's Clayface only half human. Play. And yeah, I think exactly. he calls Clayface him like a dirt person or something like that. Which is true. Yeah, which is very <laughs> true. All true. Uh, so yeah. Harley's just the best candidate for yeah. the job but see the, the funny thing is even though that's like the motivation what actually happens is totally different and what that is is they have a dinner or i'm sorry a lunch party <laughs> yeah which is fantastic oh i love um, that yeah. yeah you're like he's very hospitable and then you kind of realize that there's a reason for the lunch too i mean mm-hmm. granted he doesn't need the rest of them he's very hospitable and this is what i always loved about mr freeze i loved the fact that ultimately I don't see the dude as like even in like the anime, especially in the animated series and stuff like that. Um, I never saw him as kind of like a bad guy per se. Like he has the best intentions of in mind. He only does what he does for love. It's not like Harley, who basically is at least in the animated series enslaved by her abusive captor, Joker. Technically, she could leave whenever she wants, but she never does. Um, it's not like a, a lot of other rogues gallery villains. Uh, it's Mr. Freeze does it for one purpose and one purpose only, just to save his wife. And I think mm-hmm. that's extremely sweet. It is. And I like that you brought that up because, ironically, from the original animated series, Clayface also had a very humanizing story, too. He did. Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of like his thing was he wanted to become human again. Freezes yeah. is saving his wife. It seems like the more human villains, the the more relatable ones whose motivations you kind of understand, mm-hmm. uh, seem to be Harley's crew, or at least the ones that you uh, sympathize with more, in this, particularly in this episode. Yeah. It's funny, because yeah. first of all, when they're sitting down, uh, they can't get up, because Harley's whole thing was she wanted to put a smoke screen. She's like, all right, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold his... his uh, beloved captive and threaten Mm -hmm. her life and then because she's she thinks that this would be a great plan but obviously it's not the best plan because they're all like encapsulated or at least their bottom half is encapsulated in in, in ice in order to eat Mm -hmm. lunch but that doesn't it is a scrumptious lunch but yeah yeah it doesn't stop the rest of them and he's got a nice spread out too i think he's got like mac and cheese yeah he's got got, like like really good steak well, yeah, he's got steak. And yeah. this is the thing. Uh, I noticed there was a 
it wasn't a creep factor, but I sort of get it because Mr. Freeze, like once he sits down and he asks Dr. Psycho, he's like, so uh, how's the steak? And like he takes a bite and he's like, how's the mouth feel and stuff? And a lot of them think he's a freak, but I get it. You get it, right? Mm hmm. You get that whole thing of like why he, I guess, enjoys other people eating in front of him, right? Yeah, because yeah. you know he can't he can't indulge in that himself. He can't indulge, so. mm-hmm. and to me that's almost akin to, uh, and just a sidetrack really really quickly, um, as a sidebar. There's these videos on YouTube, or there's videos um, that a lot of people will pay good money for for um, <laughs> a lot of like for people to eat in front of them. Yeah, a lot of times because they they're kind of like me in the sense like I have like I have um, an eating disorder. I'm not gonna, I'm, I'll be frank about it. I'm a little yeah. uh, bulimic at times, and uh, the thing is that if you don't want to eat for that day, you'd be like, all right, I could watch the Food Network and be satiated. It's not the healthiest thing, but I mm-hmm. I kind of likened it to that though, where it's kind of like that's how he gets his food fix. And I, I like there was a line in it uh, because he asks uh, everybody, like, how's this? How's this? And then uh, Dr. Psycho takes a sip of the soup and he's like, wait, is that is that turmeric in it? Oh, that's a that's turmeric. That's a, that's a nice spice. Good. Bold move or something yeah. to that effect. Yeah, yeah. So they're all enjoying the food. And Mr. Freeze explains why he's done what he's done. Mm-hmm. And obviously uh, everybody's all for it except for Harley. She's yeah. the one and that's we kinda, sort of... we, Yeah, we unfold there that Harley... Basically, everyone's into the Freeze romance, doing all this for his wife and his yeah. backstory and how they met, et cetera, et cetera, which I, no, I'm not going to get in detail. Um, but uh, the big takeaway is Harley still says bullshit. And yeah. I guess the question is why? Well, let's start back from the beginning. She mm-hmm. was frozen at the beginning of the season from yeah. Freeze, and that kind of took her entire power trip, uh, you know, anarchy, whatever ways away. So mm-hmm. she feels put down by Freeze. On top yeah. of that, um, she, her relationship with the Joker had been nothing but toxic, to being subservient to him, subservient to him in mm-hmm. like every possible way, yeah. and never really being in a real relationship or feeling, I guess, true love in return. So while everyone else is optimistic about Freeze and his, his what he does for his wife, Harley just calls it all as bullshit that love isn't real, that yeah. everything about this is just is just crap and a lie. Yeah, uh, and the rest of yeah. her crew is kind of like, how could you say that? He just gave like a stirring story, like yeah. that. That's so meaningful. And yeah. for these people all to say that, although I, I never saw King Shark as like some somebody, I don't know too much about his backstory, truly. None of us do. Or like the crimes <laughs> that he's committed. But um, he seems like a stand-up shark, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Psycho obviously is a dick. We all know yeah. that. Um, and Clayface seems kind of like, kind of like Dr. Shark in the sense that, uh, or King Shark, where he's uh, he's kind of like, he's in the middle. But they're mm-hmm. all rooting for Mr. Freeze. So ultimately, uh, Harley procu- uh, procures the gun. And so she threatens Mr. Uh, Mr. Freeze's wife, Nora. Yeah. And so she does something that's pretty horrible. And she called, like, basically, she thought that she was calling his bluff. But apparently mm-hmm. she wasn't. And you're kind of like, at least as a viewer, I'm thinking like the temerity of Harley, like the callousness. Like mm-hmm. I knew that 
she like I never saw Harley as a pure villain. Like I think yeah. that she does things almost like Catwoman for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't think that. I mean, she just didn't think things through. So that I think she did. She was just blunt. Yeah. <laughs> Well, th- that's the thing. She'll shoot first, ask questions last, later. That's kind of why we watch this. That's Harley exactly Quinn show. why we watch. It's fun to see. Yeah. And so that prompts that prompts uh, Ivy to take off because Harley's like, "I'm in a bit of a pickle right now," so mm-hmm. she has to call Ivy, and it shows you too. Harley is not the most attentive friend. Yeah. Ever, um, even though she's quite lovable. And we all want to cheer for her, and she's quite affable. I mean, that's, again, as you said, while we watch, um, they're kind of like, oh, man, you just kind of screwed. They were already having kind of a hard enough time trying to secure the corn factory. Now you just kind of screwed Kite Man into trying to fend for himself and sell himself mm-hmm. as to why. And he's horrible at that. We all know that already. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is that... Um, the guy in the corn factory, he, I guess, takes the, the, the curator or the owner of the corn factory. He takes great pride in the factory's history. And the only thing that Kite Man could basically muster up, uh, I was, you know what? I was about to say mustered up because I'm so... There are so uh, many jokes like that in this I episode. <laughs> uh, I, I, it, like, it's a stupid condiment king got into my head. Uh, yeah. But uh, the only thing that he could really kind of bring up is like oh Clint Howard was here so I mean you really didn't have a leg to stand on to begin with uh, <laughs> I mean, it's this whole motivation for getting that venue too which is so and that funny. was his whole thing and so yeah. Ivy goes back to the fortress yeah the lab and Harley kind of knows she already screwed up she mm-hmm. screwed up big time yeah uh, but the thing is that the one her main purpose for keeping Ivy out of it is because she didn't want to put Ivy in harm's way, even though she's done quite the opposite with this and with her decisions. With every cause, there's an effect. So, Mm -hmm. Harley causes a lot of shit. Yeah. Stay that. But she she asks Ivy there because Ivy's brilliant and she's a great chemist and she, she knows... She knows that of all the friends that she probably has the answer to help freeze in his predicament, which is basically that his wife is dying now, especially because she was unfrozen or yeah, yeah because of Harley. Um, and so, of course, Ivy was asked to come in because yeah, there was no other choice. And... and she she knew how to do it. She knew how to fix and save the day, which also ties into um, the uh, I think the Batman movie. Which one was that? The really bad one that everyone makes fun of Batman and Robin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, Ivy technically knew how to save her then, too. Probably and one the... key ingredient that she's missing, though. Yeah, which is not at the place. Oh, mind yeah. you, the reason that everyone gets called into and stuck at the lab, why don't they, they don't just leave and get what they need, is because Freeze is holding the entire place hostage with the bomb. Oh, yeah, Probably. true. So yeah. it's not like they're free to go. <laughs> yeah, it's not like... A, it's pretty much everyone has to go or everyone dies. I mean, big, I, uh, I think that's like trigger. a key thing with any villain though you should always have a backup plan in case something should go awry yeah and uh, what's different from other villains is freeze is very much okay with killing himself yeah. along with everyone else. well yeah, because if his wife dies then like what's the good what's the use in him living that's the thing yeah totally makes sense and again if like you all got me into this situation you're all you're, you're coming down with me mm-hmm. quite understandable but uh, yeah. because uh, Poison Ivy is missing this key ingredient, which is a magenta orchid, I believe, something to that effect, this mm-hmm. leads to one of the 
funniest jokes I've seen. And I'm like, all right, all right. Like, I couldn't have laughed harder because <laughs> I knew it was happening at some point. Uh, so you, do, do you want to say what this is? Where uh, Kite Man has to it. abandon his uh, yeah. meeting to go to the uh, greenhouse. And uh, he's looking for, because there's a lot of different colored flowers, and she's on, like, the phone with them. He picks one up, and uh, he kind of, like, I guess rubs it against himself just to see or smell it. And she's like, uh, well, did you pick this one? Because that causes paralysis. He's like, um, I don't think so. No, no. And then he picks up the right one. So then he comes in, goes flies away to the fortress so he's flying 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 immediately he just crashes paralyzed through i I think like one of the not the skylights but one of the big windows in his lab completely paralyzed and completely busted up and that was one of those things where it's like you know there's a payoff she's you know Mm -hmm. poison ivy's not gonna say oh don't touch that because it's poison it's it'll lead to paralyzation without something happening I thought yeah. he was just going to be paralyzed right then and there, but it wouldn't really drive, drive the plot forward. It also so, wouldn't have given us the uh, the sweet kite man flying through the vagina ice vagina tunnel. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, uh, but there's one caveat and conundrum. So uh, you could you could take this one away. Oh, uh, and uh, for him returning mm-hmm. to the uh, the. Uh, the lab. Wow. <laughs> I'm forgetting what I'm calling it. Yeah, the lab. So he, he brings it back. And of course, the paralysis kicks in and he crashes and and falls. But he, he brings the, the flower they need. And uh, and Ivy, of course, makes the antidote. But the the caveat, the thing, because the, every beautiful thing has a cost, right? Every yep. every uh, moment of, of sacrifice or love yes. requires sacrifice to some degree. Uh, we find out that in order for this to happen... Um, she needs to take, I think, some extract or something from the flower and inject it to a human host and then use that blood to transfer over to um, to Freeze's wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whoever the human host is who gets the, the flower, uh, they, they essentially die. Now, yes. in this particular moment, Harley is still there. She could very much be the host. And I guess a couple of the others, too, technically. Um, uh, yeah. But, but Freeze, being who he is, who we know, um, chooses... To do it himself, to uh, to to take take the sacrifice on his uh for his wife uh onto his own shoulders and takes it, and they do the blood transfusion and she's saved, but at the cost of Freeze's life. Sad. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I would say like that morning, uh, that moment itself was quite poignant. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I think that like in any good comedy, not every episode, but like every other couple of episodes, there's got to be like a nice like punch you in the gut moment where you're like all right like shit's getting real right now it doesn't all have to be levity for the most part and i like that um i actually kind of likened the ending of this a little bit to probably what is considered and i'm not going to put it as high on a pedestal but still it kind of reminded me slightly of heart of ice which is considered probably the best batman the animated series episode of all time Uh which was basically freeze's origins and Paul Dini had written him as a very melancholic figure and everything mm-hmm. like that. So it reminded me a lot of that. I'm like, okay. The episode was good. I mean, it was simple for the most part, but they hit you in the end. Uh, for me, I, I like that it was love uh, and just different ways of con- of perceiving it. Um, mm-hmm. What I really liked, though, was Harley 
when she saw Frieza's sacrifice, she got it for a second. She's like, oh, yeah. shit. I never had that. And mm-hmm. damn, because I guess that's a real thing. And yeah. that was very touching because she learned from it. And that's kind of beautiful. What I also liked, too, was uh, the expectations of Freeze became completely subverted because the way that Harley saw him is kind of how we saw him as this kind of misogynist who really didn't give a shit. And we kind of find out through the unfolding of the story, mm-hmm. he's the most feminist of all the freaking, yeah, uh, actually, of the, um, what are like they the Injustice Leagues. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I saved your life. He's like, everybody yeah, he else wanted to kill you. I just wanted to, like, put you in a block of ice so that, that nobody else would kill you. Yeah. Uh, he was like, of course, the misogynistic, cisgendered white men w- would absolutely like to see a woman uh, become stuck in a position yeah. of powerlessness. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that convinced them instantly to keep you alive. Yeah. And it worked. And I was like, damn, this guy, he's pretty woke. Yeah. He, he definitely... <laughs> this is the, woke, the wokest freeze we got. Yeah, uh, the wokest yeah. freeze and uh, possibly, quite possibly, the wokest one in this entire series thus far. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, I do like the, the, the themes in this whole episode. I mean, there's sacrifice and there's also redemption. Definitely. So I, I do like those themes because those are very powerful universal themes that I think we all could could grapple with. I agree. Um, and lastly, I guess... uh, was there anything else you want to say? Oh, that's it. Like, uh, uh, there was the final resolution, which was basically just Kite Man and Ivy just settling, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really, pretty much. It wasn't really a climactic ending. It was like a fizzle ending, but that, that's fine. Yeah. Given, uh, it, it, what you know what? It kind of read more as because they don't have buttons or anything like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But that would have been like if they did have buttons, that would have been probably like a button that you could like lap off if you needed to. Wouldn't have been the biggest thing. I, I just like the fact on that note with that, that uh, Kite Man or Chuck uh, basically because Poison Ivy apologized and she's and he's like, it doesn't really matter. Like, as long as I'm with you, it doesn't matter where we get married. And so then he receives a call from Corn Factory and he has his like his hopes up for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, he, he answers it. And lo and behold, it's who else? Kind of big king. Basically yeah. saying, yeah, you didn't get it. I love that though, because he also called out saying, you know what, uh, it's okay that I, you know, that I didn't get my hopes up because you know I did the right thing, and because of that, I'll get rewarded, right? And when Condiment King calls, it's like, no, you failed. You're <laughs> yeah, not getting it. We all lose. <laughs> it's kind of great. It's, uh, yeah, that's great. I, that's, that's, I, I mean, even though it's like a little throwaway thing, it's still funny because it ends it. It goes from like something uh, super powerful to something just super silly. And so you don't because yeah. I don't for a comedy, you don't want it, it to end it on a bad note because that just that's an awkward feeling. Yeah, I think I've seen those. It's been like maybe a couple of times where I've seen like a sitcom where they end kind of like on a weird sour note. And it's like, OK, is this a sitcom? <laughs> that's always weird but I can't, um, i'm waiting for the uh, sitcom episode of harley quinn oh <laughs> that's gonna happen. That, that'll happen i I think they they're good on tropes and they know yeah, like they're, they, they're self-aware yeah. of them too mm-hmm. um totally. lastly i just wanted to say that uh condiment king who is alan tedike he plays condiment king awesome because he also plays clayface awesome wait alan tudyk is condiment king as well he's condiment king i i, I looked at the uh, credits Dude, he just plays every voice. He they has need. such I range. I, I have nothing but like the maddest of respect for that dude. Yeah, Rachel Dratch, who I thought was kind of interesting. She was Nora. Nora didn't have too many lines, but I guess I didn't 
recognize her voice. Mm-hmm. So she was Nora. And Alfred Molina, I always forget, he's Mr. Freeze. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's Which is interesting because Mr. Mr. Freeze, it, he obviously Alfred Molina is English. Yeah. He affects kind of like, I think Freeze is supposed to be German, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, because mm-hmm. technically his last name is spelled F-R-I-E-S, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he played like convincing because Alfred Molina is also one of those, I think, voice act- like actors vo- slash voice actors that... It'll show his name in the credits, and I'd be like, what? Okay. I'll dig that. I, I dig that. So, yeah. Um, I like this episode. Uh, I think that it, sometimes I like the ABC plots, but an AB plot's fine, too. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think it was the strongest episode, but again, I think if not for anything else, Harley Quinn just as a whole is very, very consistent. Yeah. Uh, definitely consistent writing, consistent characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I might have liked this episode more than you did because I just like the message. Um, oh, the message was a, great. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm I do a, like the I, message. I started screenwriting as a romantic comedy writer. Besides superhero, well, yeah, no, I started with romantic comedies. Uh, as weird as it sounds, so like I, I love the message that they came across here. So. Uh, I was a big fan of this one. I like the feminist uh, uh, issues that they addressed oh, and yeah. the undertones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like how it flips narratives on its head like it always does. Uh, that's yes. kind of what makes great comedy. And I think Harley Quinn does a fantastic job of that. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, I like this one very much. But of the rankings, it's probably either second or third in uh, all the episodes so far. Of yeah. the four. There's only been four. Um, but, yeah. yeah. No, I, I actually agree with you only because – the other ones it, uh, are fun and kooky and whatnot, um, and great hijinks and antics and chicanery ensue. But the thing mm-hmm. is that because there's a bit more like emotional punch to this, it's kind of like, yeah. all right, now we're getting a bit, uh, we're getting a bit more um, dramatic, which is good. I, I love drama. So, yeah, same here. I, I mean, it can't be all like just crazy kookiness all the time. You got to, I think, parse it out a little bit. Absolutely. So completely agree. Yeah. So uh, I guess uh, I have nothing else to add. Uh, do you have anything else to add? No, that's basically it. Um, yeah, I know you're going to write the hell out of this. So, oh, I, not only am I going to, I already did two days oh, ago. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. That's so, awesome. uh, yeah. Uh, so far, enjoy. Actually, here's a fun question. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the series so far? The series, I like. I really like. Well, Um, well, for the season in particular, I should say. Yeah, well, the season, um, I'm trying to, like, kind of go back on last season. Uh, I like it. I think that it's it's actually expanding a lot more. I think this is honestly a bit more, um, because the last couple of episodes of last season was, uh, they became a bit more uh, serialized uh, Mm -hmm. than anything else. And I think that from the start of this season, which I like more, um, I think it's, it has a more serialized feel where it's yeah, kind of like definitely. one episode going into the next, into the next outside of last season. I think at least for the first half of last season, it was kind of like not procedural, but it was kind of like it goes from episode. You could watch maybe the first five episodes, I'm, I'm saying, uh, and kind of get like you don't have to like watch them in sequence. It's mm-hmm, kind of like definitely. you can fall in whichever episode, and they'll have callbacks and stuff. But I think this one is going more linear, which I, I like. I think that I uh, because that's how the world operates. Yeah. 
Uh, I also I'm enjoying the season. I I still like the first season more, obviously, because I just mm-hmm. I'm a fan of origin stories and just in oh, terms yeah. of writing. Uh, mm-hmm. but this one this one's going great. I like that there's a setup pretty uh, in, uh initialized early on mm-hmm. uh i'm trying to think who's left it's who's left in the in the in the um injustice league it's bane and uh two-face and i think that's it right roughly bane two-face uh yeah i think you're right because the queen of fables i think she's 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 gone right i think yeah but it wouldn't surprise me if she came back i mean one sykes is hilarious yeah so. there, there's there's a few people i the one thing that i think i like a little bit more outside of like the bigger you still have riddler i think he's at large um but i hope kind of like with this episode um or other episodes where they're bringing in because there's this panoply of villains that you could mm-hmm. just pull out from and villains that have been largely forgotten so I, I like that. I, I like, I mean, because everybody likes their, their typical, like, usual rogues gallery, Joker, Riddler, Bane, Two-Face, mm-hmm. Penguin, yeah. Mr. Freeze. If they're killing them off, which I think is a bold move to begin with, I think that's awesome because you don't typically see, you wouldn't see that in the typical Batman um, iteration. The villain would probably get locked up into Arkham, then they'd break their way out, cause havoc, and then it'd be kind of like rinse, wash, repeat. But with this, because they're killing off villains, like permanently killing off villains, that raises the stakes. That means that like it's more of a real world setting. You can't come back from that. So then what do you do in their stead? I mean, if Mr. Freeze is gone, you can't rely on another Mr. Freeze. That's true. Unless you decide to do some sort of reboot time travel thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how much um, they're going to do with that. This seems as batshit insane as it is. I think this seems a bit more rooted in reality. Or the yeah, way things just true. typically go. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like they because because again, they like mentioned it, there, there's a large rogues gallery. I'm not sure where yeah. they're going to head after they use up all the ones currently, but I think it's still possible. I think it's, you it's have possible. at least a season and a half worth. Yeah, that I, I'm still kind of curious about, but that's part of the reason that I love seeing this because it's I can't predict the next episode. I can, from episode to episode, I can't predict, and I like the fact that I can't predict it. I'm waiting for mm-hmm. the next episode because who knows what's going to happen? That's just yeah, to be honest, generally I have no idea this what entire <laughs> series. That's what I love. Yeah, uh, and I guess that, that's all I have left to say. What about you? Uh, that's pretty much it. Um, I'm happy right. about about watching that. Like just this entire season, or the from up until now, this whole season, this mm-hmm. season up until now. Uh, I do like the humor, um, and I think that uh, if you guys can ca- like catch uh, maybe a trial run on the DC, or if you just want to pay for it, the DC universe, I would say definitely try this out because what we need these days are just nothing but laughs and smiles. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. And just entertainment in general. And this uh, will not disappoint. It won't. It, it's it's just a lot of fun. That's all. <laughs> so, yeah, right, I guess note, you're going to um, hear from us uh, next week. Yeah. Well, and we're doing this I, every Friday. Uh, we'll have the yeah. uh, reviews up at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time around the time that the episode debuts as well. So you can pretty much watch the episode when it comes out and tune in to hear or read the article, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever you, you feel like. But, you know what? I yeah. would consider this like our uh, kind of like watch what happens next or kind of like the after show 
where you like you watch do, the show yeah, and basically you're kind the of like, of I want to hear what they have Although to say. Although DC Universe, if you do subscribe to it, they have their own after show as well, or I think they have their own podcast and and uh, show as well on the on the app. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, and again, you can follow. Uh, uh, this is Christian and uh, Rob. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can follow us on theworkprint.com and yes. uh, check us out there for all the articles and stuff and you know many coverages that we do. So, Definitely. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man.